The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning and welcome to The Grove. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you before, my name is Ryan, one of the pastors on staff. Notice I said Ryan, not Aaron. That's Aaron, I'm Ryan, Ryan, Aaron. In fact, I heard online, I wanna say good morning to you guys as well, tuning in online. And you might not know this, pause for a moment. Uh, I'd say there's probably 150 to 200 people in this auditorium right now. You may not be aware of this, but another over 200 individuals watch every single Sunday online at this gathering. Uh, and so it's a pretty incredible thing. Missed you guys this morning, uh, but I heard online they did, uh, they put up, I don't know if you noticed, a Christmas tree directly out in the lobby has little uh, ornaments on it that are pictures of little kids. Those aren't just some stock photos of little kids somewhere off the internet. That's actually the staff here at the Grove Church. And so they were putting some of those pictures online and trying to guess who they were. And people were getting us confused all the time. So just in case you need to know one more time, I'm Ryan, that's Aaron. We are not the same person nor brothers. Well, brother from another mother, but. Uh, well, hey, I am stoked as we're continuing in our message series, uh, our Christmas message series today. Um, and I got a public service announcement, 20 days till Christmas people, 20 days. <laughs> Until Christmas, if you haven't started shopping yet, you're in trouble, okay? So you need to get on that a little bit. But anybody who knows me knows that this is my favorite time of year. In fact, I'll go as far as to say October, November, December are my favorite months of this year. And I love this time of year, uh, these three months, for many different reasons. Let me share a few with you just in case you wanna know. And if you don't, I don't care, I'm gonna tell you anyways, all right? Couple reasons why I love this time of year. My birthday is in this time of year. You got holidays in, in this time of year, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that kind of stuff. Um, I love this time of year because I love the weather change, okay? I love the weather change. And I got a buddy of mine, good friend of mine, who never lets me hear the end uh, of the rainy season. In fact, I get text messages and gifts from him all the time. I'm not gonna name his name, he might be sitting in the second row on this side of the auditorium right behind Aaron. Uh, but, but just letting me know that uh, he thinks that I suck because I like the rain. And here's the deal. Here's the truth. I don't really just love the rain. I just like different seasons. I like change. All right? But this is not uh, that idea or that kind of principle. It's not just weather for me. When I go out to eat, I would rather share with a bunch of people. Aaron can attest to this as we go to eat. I, one of the greatest uh, parts of being married, and when my wife and I were dating and engaged, I said, hey, uh, well, obviously we weren't married then, but in that process and even now, I said, hey, why don't we share something? Her idea of sharing is order one thing and split it. No, that's called splitting. <laughs> sharing is you order something, I order something, and we get a little all of it, all right? I like variety, okay? And so I love the different weather, okay? I love uh, about this time of year that it gets dark at 4.45. You may not, but I do. I love change. I love the change that it brings, that's okay. Here's another reason I love this time of year. I love snow. There, I said it. I love snow. <clears throat> and snow is a very dividing factor, okay? Um, and I've told my friend, who I won't name, that is sitting in the second row behind Aaron, that Arizona, if you wanna live on the surface of the sun, I think they're still taking uh, applications to move there. But uh, in fact, if you're online, why don't you do me a fact? If you love snow, drop a snow emoji in the comment section. Uh, but I love snow. My wife and I are the type of people that if my weather app shows a snowflake, I get a little, I get a little excited. So much so that if it says it's supposed to snow a good amount, starting at 2 a.m., we will set our alarm, I will set my alarm for 2 a.m. to wake up and say, I'm just a big kid. I don't care, I love this time of year. Here's another reason I love this time of year. And this is something that's new within the last 10 or 11 years or so. There's a whole new thing I love about this year when it comes to my kids. 
Right? I remember being a kid. Try to think back for a moment when you were a kid. For some of us, we're gonna have to remember back a little bit farther, okay, than others in the room. But try to remember back. Do you remember that giddy feeling of just like that innocence of the magic of Christmas, like the excitement of Christmas? Like, I love that about my kids. I, you know, my daughter, uh, Emery, is 11, so she's kind of growing out of that. She's aware of things right now. I want to give a spoiler alert here because I'm going to say something. I'm trying to scan to see if we've got any young children in here. Parents, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to talk about something in the next 60 to 120 seconds, and I don't want to get emails later saying I ruined Christmas, okay? And if you're online and you got kids in the room, you may need to turn the volume down or mute it or something. I'm giving you fair warning. You might need to cover their ears or step out into the lobby, I'm giving you a moment because I don't want to ruin anything. Okay. So with our family, we've raised our kids with what I call a both and, not an either or. We do a both and. So my kids from the very beginning of their whole childhood, when we buy gifts, they see us wrapping them. They don't see what they are, but they know that mom and dad have wrapped gifts. They're under our tree right now in our house. This isn't like Santa comes in the middle of the night and brings it, but we also don't ruin that for them, okay? I'm just gonna say that. We kind of let them have that innocence, that wonder, the magic of Christmas that, that goes throughout, okay? Um, and my son, Cade, my, my daughter's a little older than that. Cole's right on the level where I think he's kind of wondering what's going on, um, and, but Cade is fully bought in that the whole thing is real, okay? Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to raise your hand. I need you to help me. Get the blood flowing a little bit, okay? A little participation. It's not a trick question. I just need you to help me. Has anybody in here, do you, are you aware of, or maybe you actually do this as a family, you know what Elf on the Shelf is? Anybody know what Elf on the Shelf is? Okay, put your hands down. If you don't know what Elf on the Shelf is, uh, Elf on the Shelf is a little doll that you buy. It's an elf. Our elf is named Buddy, like from Buddy the Elf in, in the movie Elf. Buddy the Elf, and the idea of, he's, he's one of Santa's workshop elves, right? And so he sits, some people on their mantle uh, during the Christmas season, some on a tree. Ours is on the Christmas tree. He watches you, and he, every night he, he flies back to Santa to report if you've been naughty or nice. Are, we, are you tracking with me so far, okay? But it just doesn't end with that. When you wake up in the morning, and I love this about my son, Cade, he fully believes that Buddy is real, okay? Um, it, you go find him in the house because when he comes back, he doesn't go back to the tree or the mantle. He's somewhere in your house. Let me give you an example of some things you might find an elf on the shelf would do. Uh, an elf on the shelf, they, they, they'll just spread Christmas cheer. So you might come downstairs and walk into your kitchen and see that uh, Buddy the Elf has made snow angels in powdered sugar like on your, uh, on your counter, Okay. There's another thing that you might find, okay? Another morning you might wake up and um, a buddy of the elf, ours specifically, he's a little bit of a prankster, okay? So you might wake up and find him, you know, making you some cookies and he might be removing the filling out of Oreos and replacing it with toothpaste. <clears throat> okay, he's, he's a prankster, okay? This was my favorite. This was last year. This is, this is one that Buddy absolutely did in our house. He wanted to bake some baked goods for us, um, but I think he took it a little too far. He made some cookies for us and um, we could get that picture up there. Yeah, I thought that was really funny, okay? <laughs> All right, I mean, he is a, I mean, it's a little over the line, but it's kind of funny, okay? All right, he's making us some cookies. All right, you can get rid of that picture. Here's the point I wanna make. I love this time of year when it comes to my kids because there's an innocence of the wonder and the awe and kind of the amazement of the season. Now, certainly we're talking with children at that age, and this is specifically, you know, Santa and Buddy the Elf and things like that. But I want to challenge you and I that as adults, many of us are thinking, yeah, you know, as soon as you get a certain age, you put all that stuff away. And yet I want to make an argument to you and I that we should be living in so much greater wonder and awe of the season 
because of what it really means. If you have your Bibles with you, I wanna challenge you to take those out. Always encourage you to bring those with you. We're gonna be in a few different places today, but we're gonna start in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse three. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse three. You can also open up that Bible app on your phone or tablet and follow along. We're also gonna be, if you're taking notes, Luke chapter one, gonna read a large portion of that. Uh, uh, Luke chapter three, almost the entirety of it, and a sprinkling, a dusting of Matthew in there, okay? Uh, He sheds a little bit more light on the same uh, passage we're gonna read. Because I wanna encourage you to understand that this season of the year, uh, when we come in and it's, whether it's Advent, you know, a, a church is doing an Advent series or we're doing our Christmas series, God was up to something big with this story. Um, and in fact, six to 700 years before Jesus ever comes on the scene, we have prophets like Isaiah who prophesy about the Messiah specifically, some of the things that will surround that and also the things that lead up to it in the preparing of the way. And we find one of those here. And Isaiah says this, He says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to circle all people or underline it or highlight it or do something. You got a Bible app on your phone or something, you can uh, hold on to that. You could do the same thing. But he says, and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's pray as we dive in today. God, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for this season. God, my simple prayer this morning, um, God, is that in the midst of the craziness of everything, uh, of the speed of life, that we're all in and, and the struggles and the weights and the excitements and things we're looking forward to, the things that we're dreading, just all of life, God, that we would remember that this season is something that should cause wonder in our hearts. And God, I pray for each person, man, woman, student in this room and those watching online, God, as always, we pray that you would open our hearts. We give you permission to come today. We, we want you to speak to us, change us. We wanna be different when we leave today than when we came in. We ask that in your name. And everybody said, amen. 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 So this passage of scripture is referencing specifically, and and for those that have been in church uh, for a while, you've probably heard this name before. It's speaking to and prophesying specifically about John the Baptist, that one will come and in the wilderness will call out and prepare a way for the Lord, right? This idea of make highways straight for Jesus to come, the Messiah to come on the scene in Isaiah, again, six to 700 years before this happens, that's, that's where we're reading this. And John the Baptist is an incredible character in, in scripture, one that honestly, I feel like he just kind of comes on the scene and then he's gone, right? He's at the very beginning of the gospel accounts and I think we know it and it's kind of a cool story, but we forget so quickly because Jesus's life is so big, right? I mean, he's the paradigm shifting, world changing moment as he should be, but sometimes we kind of skip over that first Uh, you know, chapter one of Luke and and chapter two of Luke and chapter three of Luke or the gospel accounts because man, you get into Jesus, but he had a profound mission and purpose. And we're gonna read about that together. It's a lot of texts we're gonna read today. So I want you to put the seatbelt on and straddle in with me here, but uh, we're gonna read about Luke's account and a little sprinkling of Matthew's account on the life of John the Baptist, which is what Isaiah was just prophesying to. And it says this starting in chapter five, following with me. Luke says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands 
and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now we're gonna skip forward to verse 57 because Luke uh, intertwines the other story that in fact, uh, it's the passage of scripture that Pastor Nick used last week. But he picks back up the, the story and, and uh, brings it back to John in, in verse 57. Luke continues, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one in your, among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. I'm gonna read uh, I jump into Matthew for a moment, which Matthew's account that we're about to read, you guys are doing great, you're hanging in there, and it's like story time, okay? I kind of wish you could all be crisscross applesauce on the floor right now, but that's not gonna work. But I love Matthew because it's almost exactly the same, but he, he adds a few different things that you don't find uh, in um, the passages uh, of Luke. Uh, Matthew says this uh, in Matthew chapter three, if you're taking notes, in verse four. He says, John's clothes, speaking of John the Baptist, were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that these stones can be raised up um, for children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So John gives us a little bit of an inkling uh, into uh, what John looked like, right? He wore animal skins and he ate bugs out in the wilderness. Probably somebody that most of us in society, if we saw that, would avoid. But I wanna jump back to Luke. So Luke's account of this is in a little more detail. So I want you to listen to this. Luke says in uh, Luke chapter three, starting in verse two, he says, during the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now we're finding John as an adult. He went into the country around the Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written um, in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And I love this in verse six, and all people will see God's salvation. Again, we saw it in Isaiah. We're repeating it again. I want you to underline, circle, highlight all people. In verse seven, Luke continues, John said to the crowds coming out to baptize him. He's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders that came. He said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Again, he says like Matthew, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that even these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then they say, well, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We find one more thing in Matthew's account. And it's actually a moment when Jesus comes and visits John. This is back in John, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter three. And this is verse 13, if you're taking notes. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with who I am well pleased. John the Baptist played a very critical role and purpose to prepare the hearts of the people for Jesus to come. The question is why? Why can't Jesus just come on the scene? We know this throughout, if you're familiar with the gospel accounts, because Jesus addresses this, especially with the religious leaders many times. 
right? The idea that, that Israel was God's chosen people, they had turned what was intended to be a relationship with God into I need a set of rules to follow. Give me the thou shalls, the things I should do, and the thou shalt nots, right? That's King James Version for you, right? The things I'm not supposed to do, and if I can check off the things on this list, and I can check off the things on this list, right? And if I can memorize the scriptures, then I'm good. We have Abraham as our father. John replies to them and says, you think that you're good, right? You think you're valid and you have what you need because you're a descendant of Abraham all the way from the beginning of the Old Testament. He says, I'm here to tell you, there is something coming that's going to change everything. You're not okay just because you're checking off all of these boxes. Your heart needs to be turned and you need to repent of, uh, of what you've done and who you are, even though you think you're fulfilling the law to the T. God was up to something big. In fact, John's such a big deal that in Matthew chapter 11, I just want to, uh, to reference this for you. So just listen to this. Jesus actually speaks about John when some of John's disciples come to meet Jesus. In Matthew 11, he says this, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, then what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among these born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than he John was an ambassador for Christ. He was changing hearts and preparing that they would understand, I'm not all good. Just because I'm a descendant of Abraham, I'm not all good. I still have something. I'm still a sinner in need of something. And John was preparing them. John was like a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, he was referred to as Elijah, which is an Old Testament prophet. I mean, he even dressed like how you imagine they probably you know, dressed back then. I mean, he wore animal skins and he ate bugs you know, out in the wilderness. This is John, but he's bridging between the Old Testament and the New, and something was about to change. John prepared the way and introduced to the world, and we know this, the hero of all history. God was up to something big. God was writing a redemption story where Satan was at work to still kill and destroy what God had intended, God was making a way to overcome the penalty of sin for good. And it was sending his son Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, to pay a price that was not his for us so that we could take up his righteousness. And I had you underline or highlight or circle that all people in Isaiah, the all people in Luke. And there's another one. This is probably one of the most famous passages of scripture used at this time. Lots of times, you know, when a church does a Christmas play and the little kids come out and they read the Christmas story, or you can imagine Linus, you know, Charlie Brown peanuts coming out with his blankie to the center of the stage and reading this thing. I wanna read just a few lines out of Luke two because we get this idea of what God was up to. The, the story that he was writing and the way that he was making. And this is the moment when the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds out in the field, letting them know that Jesus is born and sends them there. And the angel of the Lord says this, do not be afraid. He says, I bring you, and we all know this, right? He says, I bring you what? Good news of great joy for what? For all people. I bring you good news of great joy for all 
people. John is a bridge between the Old Testament and the New. The Old Testament was the old covenant that God had made with Israel. It was the old promise that he had made to the nation of Israel. And what was coming was the New Testament, the new covenant, the new promise, which wasn't just for Israel, it was for all people. And even as I say that, for many of us, I wanna bring this full circle to how we started today. I wonder how many of us have lost or grown out of the awe and the amazement and the wonder of this season like my son Cade or your kids or your grandkids have because we've become adults that we've lost the wonder and the amazement of what God was doing. I don't think we can fully grasp the weight of what this would have meant had we lived just over 2,000 years ago. It was only for Israelites. I don't know about you, but I'm looking in this audience and I'm thinking that most of us are not of Jewish descent, which means it wouldn't have been accessible for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came with the new covenant, with a new thing so that we can have eternal life. Come on, I mean, this is the wonder. This is the amazement and we clap and I love this, but my question for you and I is have we become numb to that magical Christmas experience because we've become adults? Have we forgotten because of repetition? Heard this before, church has got their Christmas series. All right, let's go, heard it before, I get it. Shepherds, baby, manger, all right, here we go, right? Have we become numb to the wonder and the awe? Can I be real with you for a moment? Can I be, can I be real for, for a moment? It's interesting how you and I and others, and I'm sure it's nobody in this room, um, but how we'll take scriptures and we hear them and we'll either twist them or just unknowingly, we'll kind of think they mean something else. Because I, I can get it. Well, I don't believe in Santa or this or that or that anymore. And like that, I've kind of grown out of it. And we use scriptures like, well, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. I put away that because I'm, I'm supposed to be an adult but we forget there's also a passage of scripture which says, let the children come to me and unless you become childlike like them, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. How many of us have become numb to the wonder and the innocence and the amazingness, the awe? Joy prayed about that in worship today that we stand in awe of who God is. But I think sometimes it's like, I'll make an analogy. It's, it's, like, it's like once you've gotten a present or once you've gone on a vacation, it kind of feels like, okay, cool, the coolness kind of goes away after a while and all of a sudden the you know, kids, my kids don't play with half the toys I've ever given them. They just sit up in the playroom. When you go on the vacation, it's the leading up to it. There's so much anticipation, right? There's so much excitement. I guess I need this thing. I need this Apple watch. I need the new phone. I need whatever it is. They're so excited. And once you get it, it kind of has fleeting, right? Just the, the, the coolness of it goes away. It's like we've been given the greatest present that you could ever receive, but because we already have it, we lose the awe and the amazement and the wonder of it all. So I wanna end with this. I wanna challenge you with two things and we're gonna be done. Number one, I wanna challenge all of us to understand that like John the Baptist, we may not have his specific anointing and specific calling and the specific time in history to prepare the way for Jesus like he did, but did you know that at the end of this whole story, when Jesus is crucified, raised to life again, ascends to heaven, he gives the great commission, which means we still have a mission to prepare the way for when he comes again? So, so like John, we're called to prepare the way in the way that we act, in the way that we live, in the way that we speak, in the way that people know who we are. We're supposed to be salt and light in our world. 
And here's the second challenge I have, and I wanna pray for you today. As we engage the next few weeks, as you are going through all the steps and preparations for Christmas and the decorations and the trees and the presents and the family and the fun and the food and all those things, which are, are fine, they're good. In the midst of all of that, can you find a moment to pause in the craziness of it all? And I want you to ask yourself the question. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. Just between you and God as an individual, maybe as a couple, you wanna talk about this over the course of the next week as you engage these last few weeks, 20 days until Christmas and ask, God, have I lost the wonder? Can I remember what the feelings were like when I was a kid entering into this season, just kind of the magic of it all? And have I lost that about what really matters the most, which is so much exponentially greater to be in awe and wonder about, which is that you were changing everything when you sent your son, Jesus, a baby changed the world forever. And the last thing I wanna challenge you with is this. If your answer to that question in your heart between you and God is yes, I've kind of lost that, I want you to run back after it. I want you to find it's not becoming childish, it's becoming childlike. Say, God, I wanna live in that wonder and that awe and that amazement that you loved me enough to send your son Jesus to pay the penalty of sin so that I don't have to be separated from you for eternity and that I can have right relationship with you. And I want you to find time with your family, with your loved ones, to find those moments to bring before your children, your grandkids, your family, the importance of this season, that we wouldn't lose that childlike faith and belief, amen? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you once again for this season. God, my prayers for each of us, including myself, that are hearing this message, that as we engage the next few weeks, in the midst of all of the family and all of the fun and all of the shopping and all of the vacations and presents and things that will come out of it, God, at the core of who we are is that we wouldn't skip over that we wouldn't pass by, that we wouldn't, have oh, been there, done that, I already understand it, I already get it, but God, that we would return to a childlikeness of the wonder and the awe of what you did for us that changed eternity, it changed history forever. And it's for all people, not just select people, it's for all people. And out of that moment and out of those moments, of realization and reflection, God, would we then pick up the call like John the Baptist, that why wouldn't we want every single person we come into contact with to find that same thing, that you would choose to use us and you are choosing to use us, not just pastors, not just priests, not just people on TV, not just those that have gone to Bible school, but all of us with the great commission to bring that message to them. Would you be lifted up, glorified in this season? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.